Thank you, Ed and Stan and Clyde. I'm so thankful for them, aren't you? We really are, and thank you for giving us leadership today. We'll tell Tommy we didn't miss a thing today, all right? <laughs> uh, we do miss him, and uh, look forward to them being back next week. We want to continue in our study of the shadows of Jesus that we discover in the Old Testament. As you know, we started way back in creation and through the Garden of Eden and through the flood and everything. Uh, we walked through much of the Old Testament, not covering it all by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, we have, we've looked at the things that speak of the Lord Jesus Christ to help us understand that the book, the Bible, is about Jesus. It is about God's wonderful love and forgiveness offered in Christ Jesus, forecast throughout the entire Old Testament with each theme that would come up that would be another shadow of Christ being more evident than those things that had come before until finally you get to the Gospels of the New Testament and Jesus himself is born of the virgin and is here. And we get to experience that as we walk through this Old Testament study of portraits or shadows or pictures, types of Christ in the Old Testament. Today we come to the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, we've looked at Genesis rather thoroughly. Uh, we have uh, looked at Exodus. Uh, we've looked, of course, at uh, Leviticus and Numbers, and now we look at Deuteronomy, which is the fifth of the five books that are attributed to Moses. They're called the books of Moses, and they're often called the Pentateuch. And today we, we look at that fifth book in Deuteronomy as we see another yet glimpse, another portrait, another shadow of Christ in the Old Testament. As you know, the children of Israel had left bondage in Egypt. And let me say to this, out of the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, four of those books are given to talking about Israel and their most of it being their wanderings in the wilderness as we've studied these things. And God uses what happened in that nation's history and him working in their lives to help us understand the wonderful truth of the gospel. But they had come out of, the, out of Egypt. You remember, they had passed through the Red Sea. They had packed up enough food to feed themselves for a while, but after a month, it all ran out, and they didn't know what they were going to do. And God said that I'll provide manna. There will be manna on the ground in the morning as dew falls from the God, a manna will fall, and you gather the manna, and that will be your bread for the day, and I'll give you quail in the evening. And God had done that through these years. And now they come to the point where Moses is talking to them, as God tells him to, about their faithfulness and about what he's done for them. If you'll turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8, we'll read verses 1 through 3. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe. 
that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Every bit that is recorded is recorded for our benefit, that we may learn as a benefit for our encouragement to live according to the Word of God, as Moses said to the Israelites. It reminds me as they would get up every day and gather this manna, which was a, a flaky kind of substance that a bread and they would take it and grind it up and make sort of a meal or flour out of it and then they would bake the bread and that would be their day's supply it was not to be kept till tomorrow there was not enough manna for them to gather up a supply to carry them through a few days it was fresh every day and uh, they were not to keep any of it but use that day's supply if that which was left or that that was left over from them would spoil before the next day and would be useful for nothing. It reminds me of Lamentations, where in Lamentations 3, it says that his mercies are not consumed, they are new every morning. The supply of God's grace the supply of God's mercy, the supply of the benefits of knowing him are new every morning. It is not manufactured, neither did it come from the world's hands as we look at this bread, but it's totally the gift of God. They could not take any credit for it. They couldn't take any credit for it being given. They couldn't take any credit for growing it. There was, it was nothing of them. It was all of God, totally his blessing. What a wonderful lesson for us to learn today that everything we enjoy is not what we deserve. If we got what we deserve, we would get hell for eternity. But it's the blessings of God that we enjoy as his people, that he meets our needs, he provides for us, and it's more than just the physical provisions it is much more than that. It's the spiritual provisions. It's the, the peace of heart and of mind. It's the knowledge of knowing that we are his and he is ours and that he is with us. And Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you always. And we can depend on that verse in Lamentations that every morning his mercies are new. Every day we find a fresh flow from God into our lives as he meets our needs and guides us and helps us to grow. Then we turn to the New Testament. 
And we read where in Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11, now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. In other words, he's saying this is the time of the church. This is the end of the ages. This is the, this is the last time when the church is being built and, and Jesus is working in his church and we are living in that time. And these things were given that we might be encouraged as examples for us and for our admonition to walk with the Lord, to be appreciative and thankful for his blessings and to trust in him to continue to meet our needs in every day for the age to come. Jesus, fully understanding these truths, Jesus being God in the flesh, reminds us that the manna that came from heaven for them each morning said this in John chapter 6 and verse 32 uh, through 35. He says, most assuredly, or if you have the King James, it says, verily, verily, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Oh, what a truth that comes jumping out at us in the New Testament. And it's so wonderful that it comes from the lips of our Lord himself, that the manna that God had supplied was not Moses doing that, but it was God doing that. And the real manna, the real nourishment, the real bread of life is the Lord Jesus himself. And whoever receives him receives life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Is he talking about the physical hunger? Is he talking about spirit, uh, uh, physical thirst? No, he's not. He's talking about that which is spiritual. You'll never want salvation again. You'll never want peace again apart from what comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he comes into a person's life, they receive the blessings of God. They receive the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and he will never leave us nor forsake us. And every morning, indeed, his mercies are new. I want you to just think on these six words. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. This is the wondrous miracle of Deuteronomy, and yet another beautiful picture or shadow of the one who was to come. There are several truths about the miracle of the manna, of the daily manna that portray the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to look at these things and, 
and help us grow through this and understanding who the Lord is and what he's done in our lives and what he does daily in our lives and the promises that he will never forsake us. As we look at this truth, there, there are four things that really jump out at me that I want to share with you this morning that help us understand who Jesus is. First of all, the manna was a gift from heaven and it arrived supernaturally. Jesus himself said, Moses did not give you the bread. My father gave you the bread. It was a gift from heaven. But more, I guess, more importantly is to understand that it arrived supernaturally. It couldn't be explained. They'd go to bed at night, there'd be no bread for tomorrow. They'd get up in the morning, and my gracious, there was manna everywhere for them to gather and have bread for the day. They'd go to bed at night, the bread was gone. There was nothing for tomorrow. And they get up the next morning, and the manna is on the ground for them to gather and to grind and to make the bread for the day. They'd go to bed that night, and on and on and on. Nothing left. God said you can't keep any of it. Nothing left. It will spoil if you even try to. Nothing left, but the next day, plenty is available. Supernaturally given, God just provided it as it came down as the dew falls on the ground. Now, I tell you, I'd just love to stay up and watch that, wouldn't you? I'd just love to stay up and watch that. Now, I, I, listen, I'm just an old southern boy, and we don't get to see that white stuff floating down out of the sky very often. Every year, we just hope when the weatherman says, and there'll be snow flurries on Friday of this week, we live the whole week waking for Friday, waiting for Friday, and Friday we're disappointed that it doesn't materialize. Am I right? We do. We, we, in the South, if you're not from the South, you don't understand that. We love to see some snow. We go crazy when it snows. I mean, there'll be just enough to cover the grass on the hill, and children will be out there trying to ride sleds on it and, and getting those saucer things and, and going down the hill on those things. And we make snowballs and snowmen just over that. I tell you what, can you imagine what a sight? To get up every morning and God has miraculously, supernaturally provided your daily need, your daily need of consumption of bread, that it was there for the taking. You see, it cannot be explained by some scientific phenomenon. Simply stated, God sent down manna. What a beautiful picture of the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, supernaturally sent from heaven. That which is in her is the Son of the Most High God, it is said of Mary. That which is in her is the Son of the Most High God. Mary did nothing to produce the Lord Jesus Christ. There was not a relationship with any other human being that would have brought that about. It was absolutely, supernaturally brought into her, and God sent his only Son from heaven to earth in a supernatural way, and it was a gift from heaven. It was totally the work of the Father. Jesus is God's gift 
the sinful man, the sinful human race, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, what a wondrous, wonderful miracle God provided supernaturally in the giving of his Son for our benefit, for our grace, for our forgiveness, for our life. Just as the bread, the manna, was supernaturally provided by God, so the bread of life supernaturally provided by the Father. The second thing I would say to you that help us see this more clearly, it was the responsibility of every individual to gather and to eat the manna. You know, you couldn't get up in the morning and say, well, I just don't think I'll pick up the manna today. I'll try to find something to eat somewhere else. Didn't happen that way. It was the individual's responsibility every day in the morning to gather up today's manna to provide bread for nourishment and sustenance. So it is true that Jesus came that all may have life. Listen, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He came that all could have life, but the responsibility relies on the individual to receive God's gift of love and receive God's life and to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. It is God's gift of life. It does not come into one's life through osmosis. It doesn't come into one's life by being forced upon anyone. And there are those that believe that God has made this one to be saved and this one to be lost. That would mean you would have no choice in that matter. It means it is forced on you. God doesn't work that way. He leaves it to the individual as he has provided the bread of life, as he has provided eternal life, as he has provided forgiveness, as he has provided a way of your sin being paid for on the cross of Calvary through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, through the shedding of his blood. He has provided that, but it's whosoever will may come. And God gives the responsibility to the individual to respond to his gift of daily bread, to his gift of eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a gift freely offered for all who will receive him and have everlasting life. Oh, listen, there is a responsibility for the individual Oh, the individual can't have the faith to believe. That has to be given by God. The individual doesn't have the ability to just know a truth and believe on the Lord Jesus and, and to believe that. And They don't have that. It, listen, he says you cannot even be saved except the Holy Spirit draw you. It is all the work of God. It is all by his design. It is all through his love. But he when he calls someone, when the Holy Spirit convicts someone, the responsibility of the one who is being convicted 
is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, confess him as Lord and Savior, and to be gloriously saved. That is what God has designed from the beginning. The third thing I'd have you to see, that it help us understand the work and the ministry of the Lord Jesus and, and the forgiveness that is offered, is it provided a daily need. It provided a daily need, but today's manna, and I have stressed this and bring it home now, but today's manna was never meant for tomorrow's consumption. Today's manna was never meant for tomorrow's consumption. We live like we can take up the manna today. We can open up the Word of God today and study it together. We can hear the preacher bring a message and we can read the words of, of the Lord in our Bible and we think that that manna will carry us through the week. We think that that little bread that we receive, that little meal we receive in God's Word is enough to carry us through the week. But I want you to know today's manna is not sufficient for tomorrow. God calls us to manna every day of our Christian walk and life. He calls us to consume that which he has given to us. Jesus himself prayed, give us this day our daily bread. You see, yesterday's blessings will never meet today's need. You can talk about how you were saved from cancer yesterday, but that will not save you from the heart problem you may have today. You see, yesterday's blessing, yesterday's manna will not feed you, and yesterday's blessing will not meet today's need. Every morning, his mercies are new. Every morning, he is ready and willing to give us the blessings of the day that he has prepared for us, but he's looking for us to seek him in all things. Yesterday's commitment will not suffice for today's autopilot. Yesterday's commitment. Now, I hear a lot of folks, when they start talking about their, their Christian uh, life and coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, it is always something of the past. Yes, I was 12 years old. Yes, I was 15 years old. Yes, I was 43 years old when I met Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And we're always depending on something in the past to carry us through today. But I'm telling you what, yesterday's blessings are not good for today's needs, and yesterday's commitment will not take you on autopilot to today. You made a commitment. You made a commitment to come to Jesus as Lord and Savior. You've made a commitment maybe in the past year with something in your own life. Lord, I, I trust you with this and I give it to you. You've made a commitment with your tithes and your offerings in the past. You've made these kind of commitments and, and we do that. But those commitments will not lead us in autopilot through today's problems and difficulties. We may have experienced his marvelous grace. His power working in our lives in days past. And it's wonderful to give those testimonies. Never, never fail to give the testimonies of the power of God working in your life and the blessings you've received from him. 
It is powerful in the lives of others, and we ought to always be willing to share our walk with the Lord and what He's done. But let me tell you, yesterday's walk will not provide today's footstep. It's all fresh and new. And it's a daily thing that we're to walk with Him. The reason so many Christians struggle is because they depend on yesterday's mountaintop experience to elevate them in tomorrow's valleys. And it won't happen that way. You need today's mountaintop experience. You need the power of God working in your life today. You need to walk with Jesus today. You need a time with him in prayer today. You need the power of God in your life today. Yesterday's power, yesterday's blessings will not suffice for today's struggles. Even the psalmist David had a deep understanding of this truth as he describes his relationship with the shepherd You've read it, the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And listen to how he describes walking with the shepherd, knowing the shepherd, a relationship with Jesus. He says, some days he leads me beside the still waters. Some days he causes me to walk in the green pastures or lie in the green pastures and to rest. Some days there's the correction of his rod. Sometimes there is the direction provided by his staff. There's sometimes I'm dependent on his correction in my life. Sometimes I'm totally committed and dependent upon his leading me but he's always my shepherd. Every day, he leads me, he guides me. And listen to what he says. And one day, he's going to lead me through the valley of the shadow of death. Say, preacher, how can you say that? Because he said, thou art with me. Regardless of what we're walking through, let me tell you what, yesterday's blessings won't help you at the time of death and walking through that valley. You'll be dependent totally on the presence of a holy God. You'll be dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ to lead you through that valley of the shadow of death. And David says he is always there. Matter of fact, I heard a sermon one time that on the 23rd Psalm, it says, the Lord above me, the Lord beneath me, the Lord beside me, and the Lord around me. And he's always there providing and leading me. But through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. For his grace is sufficient and every day his mercies are new. Wow. Let me tell you the last thing. The manna never ran They didn't get up one morning in the middle of walking through the wilderness and wandering those 40 years and say, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, Moses, there's not any manna today. Never happened. 
Never one time, his manna never ran out. Woo-wee. Could I get an amen? His manna never runs out. He's not out of bread. He's not out of power. He's not out of the wherewithal to meet your need. He never runs low on energy. He never runs low on strength to bless you. He's always there. David says he's always there. Every day, fresh man. And then Jesus said, oh, by the way, I am the manna from above. Hear him say to you, he who comes to me will never hunger. He who comes to me me, will never hunger. He will never be thirsty again. Why? Because Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. No wonder the songwriter of yesteryear wrote, fade, fade, each earthly joy. Jesus is mine. Break every tender tie. Jesus is mine. The question this morning is, is Jesus yours? Maybe I should state it a different way. Do you belong to Jesus? Is there a relationship between you and Jesus? Or is it something that you remember way back sometime in in your yesteryear that you prayed some sinner's prayer, you you walked an aisle of a church, or you knelt with a friend and and you ask Jesus to come in your life, and maybe you've been through the baptistry, maybe you've been through it seven or eight times, I I don't know, and you're depending on those experiences for tomorrow, but they're empty. You find no strength. You find no peace. You're walking through life today without the joy of the Lord. You're just sort of just bouncing around from one difficult moment to another, and you don't have the strength of yourself, and you realize this morning you are totally in the dark. And you yearn, you long for that fresh, wonderful fellowship with Jesus. Well, he never leaves you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you always. If there's something missing in the fellowship, if there's something missing in your relationship with Jesus, guess who it is? It's not him. He didn't leave you. You've left him out of your life. He wants to be the fresh manna in your life today. Or you just gather it in. Just get filled with the presence of the Lord Jesus and of his blessings and his love and the manna that he provides. For he is that manna, the bread 
Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the truths of your word. Lord, as we try to walk through the Old Testament and see these shadows of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you use this preacher as I try to share to just encourage your people. And Lord, that we can grow through these experiences, that we can learn that you've always had a plan. You've always had a way of redemption. You've always loved us. You always wanted to bring us into relationship with you. And so, Lord, we trust you today. We ask if there's anyone that is hearing this, either at home or here today, that needs that relationship to be renewed, that, that walk to be restored, that joy to be replenished. Lord, I pray right now that they would turn to you and say, Lord Jesus, you haven't moved. You're still the same. You haven't changed. You're still Lord of all. And Lord, it's me that's changed. I've left you out. I've, to, I've forgotten to depend on the daily manna. I have to, I've forgotten to walk with you every day and to fellowship with you. Lord, I turn to you right now. Would you, would you renew that fellowship with me? Lord, would you renew the power of you working in my lives? Would you renew that, that joy and that sweetness of your presence in my life? Lord Jesus, I pray that if there's anyone that would turn to you and pray that this morning, that just miraculously right now, as you promised never to leave us, that you're willing to forgive, that you're willing to restore, that right now they would experience the wonderful restoration of a Christian fellowship and that you would work in their lives and draw them even closer to you. Have your way, and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.